Before we start today's podcast, I want to introduce today's guest, who is Evan Wong, CEO of Checkbox. I've personally known Evan for around two years now, and he's definitely one of the smartest people I know. Uh, He's got a history of being a trailblazer. Not only did he start Checkbox as a university student while he was here at UNSW, but also when he was 18, he started a HC tuition center that is going on pretty strong today. Adding on to those accolades, he's won Sydney StartCon's pitch event, so that's a national one for Australia, and he's did so well there that he was flown to San Francisco for the international competition. Um, on top of that, again, Checkbox, from all signs, is a raging success. In today's episode, we'll delve deep into how to be an effective person in any situation, how is Eunice Dobushin, he's kind of started up Checkbox, and what events were kind of pivotal um, in order to kind of preparing him to wear that hat as a CEO. And on the flip side of that, as a developer, what are the technical benefits of startup from the developer's point of view? So before we kind of go into the beginning of the episode, I really want to play something that we talked about near the end of the episode, which was, uh, as a young person, how do we invest our time into the best places that we can? Because of course, we can't reuse time. I'm a, I'm a huge, huge believer of um, picking, like doing the right things at certain stages of life. Right. To, to put you on the right trajectory and so I want to challenge everyone who's listening right now and have a think about why do you want a particular role at a company 100%. you know like you you know I'm not too old myself <laughs> I only graduated uni three years yeah. ago and um, as a young person we are in a very unique position or stage of our lives where we can take risks on our career yeah like people might be thinking you know oh yeah like this is one. My parents tell me this right yeah. when I when I started check was like, oh, I'll get a few years in in, in corporate and then get this <laughs> get the experience. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking like, dude, like this is the only time in my life actually where it's absolutely it almost risk free. Yeah. Like if it screws up, I still have the rest of my life to build my career, to take the safe path, to, mm-hmm. to build you know my wealth. And um, but this is a rare chance for you to actually put your life in the right trajectory. Right. And so forget about prestige forget about building your resume forget about um like the money like think about what like it might be those things by the way it might be those if that's what you want but think about what is it that you actually want Mm -hmm. as a young person you know in university and will be leaving it soon to pursue a a full-time career and what company and what environment will give you the best opportunity to, to to work towards what you want so take from that what you will for myself i really resonate with that because um I personally was in that grind of okay, I'm gonna get another internship, and then maybe let's let's go for another one just because hey, I'm gonna learn as much as I can technically from um, these companies. Might as well just do that. Um, instead, if I phrase it in what type of problems can I solve and where can I learn uh, the most in order to solve those problems, then the the conversation of where should I put my time and invest my time uh, is completely different. So without any further ado, I'll we'll get into the conversation with myself and Evan and hope you guys enjoy. So I guess the first question would be, um, how did you even get started in Checkbox? Because I know there's a lot of things that kind of, because we know each other personally, there's a lot of things that kind of accumulated into Checkbox. Yeah. Kind of what are those things that started you out, um, make, like kind of with the idea and then also with the kind of work ethic to get that idea out, out there? Mm. Um, yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I started Checkbox because I had another business beforehand, right? Called Hero, called Hero Education. <laughs> Quick plug. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hero Education, yeah. So I, I started that when I was at university at right. UNSW and 
Um, when I was running that, I guess one of the key problems I faced as a small business owner was compliance and regulation. Yeah. Um, and so when I finished up university, I uh, had an inkling of an idea right. that I then kind of submitted into a competition. It, it ended up being one of the winning ideas. And so that was the inception of Checkbox. It was actually called Comployment, <laughs> which was compliance employment law. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like a, it was like an app mm-hmm. um, because you know, apps were the craze back then, your yeah. mobile app. So it was a mobile app. And basically, it helped you, you keep track of your, your, you know, your business compliance health, uh, like a checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, through a, through a few very diligent iterations after talking to a lot of customers, and uh, this is a several-month process, yeah. it ended up being what Checkbox is today. Cool. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, the work ethic is, is, is insane, but I've, I've been practiced, well-practiced yeah. from my previous, uh, my previous business hero. Yeah, no, um, kind of because most of our listeners are uni students, um, a lot of them have trouble kind of going over their comfort barrier, like the comfort zone barrier, and it's just hard for them to just take a step into, say, an activity in university. What were those activities that kind of helped you, I guess, get the attitude to kind of be the CEO figure and, like, mould you into the person you are today? Totally. Yeah. And um, a big part of who I am today is all the co-curricular cool. I did yeah, during yeah. university. Like, that made a huge dent right. on who I am. Um, and gave me the skills, and I'll tell you why. So, uh, you know, running a running a business. I mean, when we first started as a mm. startup, I, I didn't even want to call myself the CEO. <laughs> like, you can't be a CEO of a one man. Oh, company. Yeah, exactly. You can't be a CEO of a three man <laughs> company. It's like, when do you call yourself a CEO? But you Put know, on your LinkedIn as a badge, it's like yeah, I'm a CEO. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's ridiculous, yeah. right? So, so for me, you know, now that we've got a twenty plus person team, I, I feel a lot more like a CEO, like yeah. especially when I'm managing people double my age. Right. And so how do, how do I then keep up with that? And, and I think it's because of those experiences, those leadership positions mm. back in university. So I did stuff with um, Business Society back then. I was a vice president there. I did a lot of um, volunteering with like Orientation Week yellow shirts and yeah. a whole bunch of other things as well. And, and what that allowed me to do is get kind of um, management experience at a very low risk level, right? right? Because when you think about going to corporate, yeah. When do you get that experience? Maybe at least five years yeah, into the role. Yeah. At least five years. But if you can get that when you're, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, 21 at university, like that's the kind of stuff that will translate directly into, um, into starting your own thing. Right. Um, and, and how do you get into all of that? The answer is just do it. Like I'm the type of person who like, I, I like hack the, the human nature to, to, to resist things that um, are outside your comfort zone. So a very simple example is if I, if I haven't prepared... Um, for a particular strategy piece, even today at Checkbox. Yeah. But I know it needs to happen. What I do is I book a meeting at right. the end of the week and I invite the entire company and I say, <laughs> Evan's strategy yeah. session. Yeah. But I haven't started on yeah. it. Yeah. But what that does is it forces me. It literally, exactly. I force yeah, yeah. myself. I put myself in a bad position so that I can actually you have get to do shit it now. done. Exactly. The whole company is just waiting. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I, put, I make myself accountable. Yeah. And so, and so a, a big part of doing stuff is just doing it and, mm-hmm. if, and, and, and a hack is like, just commit to it. Right. Commit to it and deal with it Yeah. when it comes. I, I really like that because I think it was you that told me this and this is very, it's not on the scale of checkbox and it's just something personal, but a lot of people scared about their driving test and the way to get <laughs> over that is kind of, I remember you told me this, Yeah. just book the very good test yeah. like two months in advance and just do it. Uh, yeah, that's um, exactly so what I did. it's literally kind of like using those company, um, things you've learned in your company, just put it in your personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Are there any other like nuggets that you use in your company, like some little organizational tools that you use to get work yeah. done or stuff like that? Hell yeah. But you use in your personal life as well. Hell yeah. yeah. So 
So, so I, I guess a big part is time management. Yeah. Right? And and often people will, will look at me and say, "Geez," and, and especially at university, like right. I was, I was, I was running and starting a business hero. I was exactly. you know, doing all these leadership right. positions <laughs> outside of uni. I was also um, I had a I, I started a martial arts performance team and I right. grew that from the ground up and yeah. choreographed and, and did all the event planning and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I had full time uni in, yeah. in a double degree, right? So, so people w- would always ask me, "How do you do it?" And it comes down to time management. Mm-hmm. And um, the time management piece for me is is both personal and professional. Mm-hmm. And the way I do it is, um, again, what you want to understand is there's certain deadlines and, and and certain meetings and events that happen on a day to day basis, right. on a weekly basis. But how? What is the preparation leading up to that? And therefore, what are the kind of um, breakdown of the tasks in order to get there? Yeah. So the way that I... Uh, you, yeah. you, you know this already, but like, right. you know, the way that I use... Just the, for everyone the, else. The, <laughs> for everyone else. Like the way I use my diary, right, yeah. is I, I always split it into two parts, right, for every single day. So there's two halves to my day that are on the diary. The left-hand side, I put all of my kind of commitments, my deadlines, uh, my meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, in the uni context, it will be an assignment being due. Right. On the right-hand side, I put the daily to-do task. Mm-hmm. A daily to do task, yeah, and it's such a simple concept, but no one, not many <laughs> people do it. The idea is that you know you want to say, okay, on Friday I've got this assignment due, so therefore by Thursday where does it have to be? On Wednesday where does it have to be? On Tuesday, Monday, and, and, and reverse engineer it to where I am today, right. and that way you can keep on track of, of whether you're you're um, on track or, or falling behind, right. and therefore adjust your workload. And what that means is every day I wake up. I open up my I open up my diary and I look. Okay, it's it's uh, it's it's Wednesday, and therefore I've got all these items that I have to do today. There's mm-hmm. no sort of confusion around what I need to do today yeah. to stay on track across all of my commitments. That's pretty sick because um, I feel like we paint you as a picture of being this really normal guy, which you are. You're a very normal guy, but just you have so many kind of strategies and workflows, <laughs> and it just helps you out in like real life. And I think most people just know they have to do it, yeah. but um, they just don't do it, which yeah. is which is the hard thing. And it's there. and it's a very simple thing, like yeah. the daily to do list that's right. broken down, reverse engineered from your deadlines. A very simple yeah. concept. Um, and we do this at checkbox right. at, at a management level, right? So if we're going from personal to professional, we use a framework where on Mondays mm-hmm. the whole company actually commits um, <coughs> priorities that we're yeah. going to nail um, by the end of the week. And then right. on the Friday we basically go through and we tick them off, and we have a company gong kind of hit it, we celebrate, <laughs> we have a few drinks and right. play some games. The Friday and, nights. Yeah, the Friday <laughs> nights that we have, the infamous Friday nights. And so um, it creates a kind of cadence on a weekly basis to say, all right, this is our goal. What do we have to do this week to nail it? That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. So I feel like the picture that we're painting here is kind of like, you're this UNSW student that's kind of not on a whim, but just opened up this, uh, you had an idea and you worked on it. Um, and people are like, oh, cool, that's like the way to go. But obviously you had some challenges throughout the journey, right? So first off, how did you kind of, and it would have been cool to have James in this room, but how did you kind of choose your CTO, like the people around mm-hmm. you to kind of start out this journey? Yeah. Um, because that would be like, I think uh, Netflix had this manifesto in, they released in 2009. It was like, you want to pick highly effective people, but don't be afraid to kind of let them go. Kind mm. of, that was the thing that they did. Totally. So how did you kind of pick out those highly effective people that you wanted to kind of partner for? Yeah. Honestly, when I did it at the beginning, yeah. I had no clue. Right. I had no clue. Um, and that's the thing with like most people. Yeah. I was like, you think you have your shit sorted, oh. but... <laughs> no, you have no idea yeah. when you start off. And right. you make terrible... We've made terrible decisions right. around people. And, um, and, and, and we're getting better and better. We're, we're still not super good at it, but we're getting much better. And mm. I guess... 
you know, how did we, how did I pick in, at the beginning? Because I was a solo founder for about yeah. four months. Oh, and not even for the beginning, just like the beginning and then how did you evolve through Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So at the very, I mean, let's start with the co-founder, right? Yeah. Like how did I pick James Hand to be my co-founder yeah. and, and CTO? And um, so I was, I was obviously building a technology company, but right. not coming from a, a tech background. Yeah. And therefore knew that I needed someone with a tech background to come mm-hmm. on pretty damn soon. So what I did was, um, the first thing is let the market know that you're looking for a CTO, looking right. for well, whatever role it may be. Maybe you're a CTO <laughs> looking for a CEO. Yeah. The point is let people know because if people are like, there's a network effect here, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I tell you and you, you may not be my CTO, but then now you have Evan front of mind saying like, oh, Evan's looking for a CTO. Yeah. So those conversations company, like, oh, you should speak to Evan, right? right. So make sure people know. So I, I told all of my networks, hey, I'm currently looking for a CTO yeah. and, and they would help me out. Um, the other thing is uh, meetups is a good place. So whether that's w- within university or external to university, right. um, just going to events where the, the profile of the people you're looking for will be mm-hmm. there um, and having those conversations. And the best way to kind of accelerate that process, because if you go to a meetup, yeah. you only get to talk to maybe one to three people yeah. max that night. So, so these would be kind of like the networking events. Yeah. Um, but also like events. targeted networking events. Say if you want to CTO, oh. it's like dev opportunities. Anyway. Correct. <laughs> that's right. But the way you kind of scale it is present at that event right like literally present so try to get a spot to speak (laughs) you know like get a spot to speak whatever it may be and talk about your idea Mm -hmm. talk about your idea and at the end of the presentation have your call to action which is oh by the way guys yeah i'm looking for a cto right and you'd be surprised how many people would actually approach you afterwards to 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 have conversations yeah so that's a more scalable way of actually you know um meeting you can just talk to all those people at once yeah and 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 they're interested because they're there (coughs) to hear ideas (laughs) And they've heard your idea. It's not right. like a you're trying to elevate a pitch them in a one-to-one conversation. Right. Um, and then the, the and then so with those two kind of textbook answers, I'll tell you with James, it was none of those two. <laughs> it was um, so it's like you have basically the way to do it, and then you did do it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I, I tried those two methods, didn't work out. Yeah. And what happened was I was um funny story. I was lying in bed one night, and I was like, damn, I need a CTO. <laughs> right. Um, and so Good messenger. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, I was like, hold on a second, like this. This James guy, yeah. I went to high school with him. We've done some university uh, entrepreneurial projects together. Mm-hmm. Like we did the Peter Farrell Club Cup. Some people cool. would know what that is. And um, and we worked together really well. Um, Peter Farrell Club, funny, funny side stories. We submitted an idea for, we were like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could go snowboarding all the time in Sydney <laughs> instead of driving up? Yeah. Um, and so we, our idea was actually a snowball gun. Anyway. A snowball uh, gun. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Didn't turn out well. Paint out a room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so one day I just messaged him and I said, hey, James, like, dude, um, you know, do you want to be, do you, you know, do you know how to code? And he's like, yeah. no, not really. And I'm like, okay, would you, would you want to learn how to code? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't know, I'm more into AI and machine learning. And, and I'm like, <laughs> Blockchain. Yeah. If he was today, he was like, yeah, yeah blockchain, yeah, yeah. the ledger. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some of that in Checkbox. <laughs> um, and, and he just basically came on. And the reason why I asked James, which is the critical message uh, amongst all this, the reason why I asked him is because I've worked with him before. Right. I knew that I worked well with him. Yeah. Um, I knew that we, we had chemistry in the sense of a personal relationship mm-hmm. and I knew that um, if shit hit the fan because it will hit it multiple yeah. times every day every week in a startup that he would not um, back down he would actually rise to the challenge right. and, and support me and also um, he is just extremely um, smart and passionate about whatever he does so yeah. I know that even though he did not he did not know much about coding at the right. time that I knew that he would be able to learn so quick and be smart enough to actually fill the role and and he did he proved it true and and this was against kind of i was talking to investors right 
and investors were actually like, oh, you got to you got to ditch James. Yeah, he's you know well, you know a, a CTO should be someone who's been coding since they were in high school. Right. You know. Um. But but you know I I went against that advice and I stuck with James and here we are. Right. So, so it's more like the person rather than the actual skills you can do. Because yeah. I remember you told me about um the skills you can kind of learn by yourself if you've got the right soft skills you kind of already have the foundation in order to build up all those skills you want. Yeah. Um, no, and I think that's so important because many people are kind of focused on like developing these hard skills and like resting in their laurels kind of. Like mm. they'll do the academics, get, I don't know, first place in X subject and then have none of the interpersonal skills that actually like you need in um, in a company. So that's, that's, that's really good. Totally. But on that, it's kind of like you have a unique perspective because you're a CEO and you manage a lot of devs, you manage a lot of product people, sales, what have you. Yeah. Um, so you kind of know what makes, uh, I guess, well, you're trying to like learn as well, um, what makes an effective employee or what makes an effective person within a, mm. um, within a company. So what kind of traits are you picking up that like, hey, uh, I see this person, I like say a networking event, they might have an inkling of what I want to say. What, what, what would be those traits? Look, for, for young people particularly, yeah, it, yeah, it really, really does come down to soft skills and attitude. Yeah, okay. I can't stress that enough. Like there's a lot of, it's similar to a university degree, right. it, it, you know, separate from dev, separate from any sort of particular profession. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the university degree. Everyone walks out with the same piece of paper. <coughs> yeah. right? so, so like what differentiates you? In the same way that, you know, everyone who comes out of comp sci course right. have the technical skills. Right. Some are better than others, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You have some but, that have kind of done the projects and yeah. something like that. Some, yeah. some are more naturally talented and that's definitely merited. Like, yeah. We, that's definitely a plus. But what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, if you don't have the right soft skills, mm-hmm. um, and I'm talking about like devs being good communicators. Yeah. This is not being able to speak articulately well. This yeah. is just general communication skills around when do you communicate like how do you communicate complex ideas yeah. to perhaps even a salesperson right. who's asking about the feature or a product manager and things like that um, through to just basic like teamwork um, yeah. because naturally in the real world, you're not going to be a solo dev. Mm. You're going to be in a dev team. You're going to be working with other devs, with uh, you know, tech leads, with the PM um, and with your CTO. And right. you're going to be, you know, you got to have the right attitude and that ties into values and culture as well, which... You know, companies, especially startups, are increasingly and, and have been yeah. um, putting a lot of emphasis on. Right. Yeah. So I guess from that um, reliability and not even making sure that you're not kind of like the best communicator, just make sure you know when to communicate and that you should communicate and just not like kind of, oh, yeah, I'll do that later. Um, I'll just keep coding and going yeah. on my way. And, and a really cool <coughs> idea to think about, right, yeah. is... Um, so we have this brilliant uh, chief product officer called Ken Aoma, and he's, he's just ridiculous background, <coughs> yeah. uh, which I won't bore you guys with, but ridiculous background. And you, know? you also kind of met him like at an elevator. In an well. elevator. Yeah, doing the whole an elevator, elevator pitch. pitch. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So right. this guy is incredible. Um, but it, what, one, of the, one of the philosophies he's kind of brought on to me about mm. devs is there's two types um, of, of kind of coders, let's yeah. say. There's developers, right. um, and then there's actually software engineers, right? Mm-hmm. And in a, in a kind of business context, if you're looking for a job in a serious you know, corporate or, yeah. or startup, is you don't want to... You know, coding is no longer just a hobby. Mm-hmm. It's all about delivering business value. Right. right. And that's a very important concept to kind of bear in mind when you work for a business and you're a professional yeah. now. You're a professional coder. That's very different from a hobbyist coder. Right. That it's not about... You know, it, it, it all comes down to delivery. Yeah. So that means being able to set your timelines, um, your estimations very clearly and um, pushing, out, pushing out business value at the end of the day. Yeah. So when you, when you say kind of business value, um, 
a lot of people in university kind of see that as uh, a top-down structure, right? Um, like the CEO or like the product manager is kind of telling you what to do. Um, but but in checkbox it's and startups in general, it's more so like you have to be self-starting, yeah. have the self-actualization to kind of find those actual problems. Totally. Uh, so would that kind of be from your experience in like say big companies? I know you work for KPMG. Mm. Um, what would be the differences between having a startup mentality and also having a corporation mentality? What would be the differences kind of kind of getting experience in either yeah. of the two? Yeah, huge. It's a huge difference yeah. actually. And I, I didn't appreciate this until I've been deep into startup. Right. And I started to work with more people that have always been in startup versus came from corporate. Yeah. <coughs> it, it's kind of weird. I almost say you would end up down a specific path depending on what you pick. So right. be careful where you go right. because the, the behavior, the mentality, the mindset gets shaped so heavily down one path that mm -hmm. if you try to switch, the transition costs are harder than you yeah. think. It's harder than you think. Like we, we hired a lot of people who had a lot of experience, you know, like 20 years in corporate doing big companies coding, right. coding their software. And we thought, yeah, these guys were great, great experience. Yeah. We bring them in and they can't, they can't operate at the level we need to in our company right. because they are planning for the feature that's happening in two years scalability <laughs> yeah it's like dude in two years we might be dead yeah. or in two years we'll be like a freaking 200 dev you know 200 dev team right. um 200 man dev team and and it's like in the startup the pace is so different rather mm -hmm. than you know rather than executing in months projects that are in months literally it is it's not about big ideas it's about mm -hmm. fast ideas right. is a concept i kind yeah. of picked up out of silicon valley when i was there recently and it's you know it's it's um you you, if you can't implement it in the next kind of, as a dev, it's a bit more of a longer timeline, but if it can't be implemented, say, in the next month, mm -hmm. then you should seriously challenge whether it should be considered yeah. at all. You know, like it's, um, it's, a, it's a totally different pace right. and mindset. So, so would you kind of, for the person in, because um, you've ha held both hats, right? You've held it in like KPMG mm. and also in startup. Would you say to a person that um, starting out, fresh out of grad in startup would be a, a good idea necessarily for like, say, the generalist, um, computer science student it depends right uh what you want yeah, from your career 100%. and i think as as objective as i can be yeah. you will you will learn the most if you find the right stage of startup so if you join a startup that's too way too early right. then there may not be the right um processes in place yeah. and the mentorship available for you to actually grow yeah um and a good example of that is when when you join checkbox you know uh yeah <laughs> it's my first year as an intern you know two two years ago i think right. it was and yeah. we we definitely didn't have the structure all the right processes to really teach you what it means mm -hmm. to be a dev whereas we're very different now right, right. we've got we've got a you know we've got kind of like your professional release right. process and mentors and all that kind of stuff um so you want to think about that but also you know if you can find the right the right sweet spot you as an intern will be given a ridiculous amount of accountability and responsibility yeah. to deliver core features to the technology. Whereas if you join a much bigger organization, um, <clears throat> you will obviously not be given, yeah. you will not be given that kind of opportunity. And I had some experience kind of in, in larger corporations where um, sure I was kind of given a feature, but also there was a lot of bug fixing as well. Like you're working on someone else's product rather than actually owning the product. And I feel like at Checkbox um, and startups in general, you're kind of, you own that and you're kind of accountable for that. And like, if that doesn't happen, then you're the person that they go to, right? Totally. Um, so it's not just like you're a dev working on the project. You're also kind of the PM as well, kind yeah. of working over there. Yeah, yeah. We have, we have devs, you know, um, co-writing the requirements for yeah. the actual build, um, you know, and a, a good case study is Melanie So, <coughs> who's one of the, right. the, the, the interns here. So mm. she, she does all, 
four days a week here. Um, but she's UNSW CompSci and she came in with no coding experience. She actually came from a information systems yeah, degree yeah. and she transferred into CompSci after working here. And um, we basically taught her from scratch um, React JS, mm. and she now knows GoLang as well. And so <laughs> now she's full stack across you know the you know two most modern kind of yeah, um, yeah web web text <clears throat> technologies, and um, she's delivering features now, you know front end and and integrating the two as well. And and yeah, it's freaking amazing to see <laughs> the the amount of progress she's made right. in just over a year. Yeah, so I guess it's good because most people kind of want each startup to be like Checkbox, where they can learn as much as they can and they have so much accountability as well as like kind of the frameworks and the mentors around them. Mm. But it's kind of hard, especially in Sydney where the startup scene is kind of small, mm. um, to know which of the startups you want to actually go into. So from the outside, for someone who's kind of looking at the startups, what would be those indicators that say, hey, this like has potential? Um, how would they kind of figure out that this is a company they might want to work for where like, they're kind of like a checkbox where they've had all these procedures and um, ability growth. Yeah, so um, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah, right? how, do you, how, how do you evaluate? How do you evaluate? Like, yeah. Well, given that I'm on the inside, I mean, I don't even have an <laughs> expert opinion on this. Yeah, um, maybe like a VC would probably be the one too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from a student perspective, I think it's talking to the people again yeah. and the people who are already right. within the organization. That would be the best way I would say. So, you know, like if you, if you wanted, if you were interested, let's mm. say in working for Checkbox and, and you had no idea what kind of culture, what kind of processes, yeah. if it's at the right stage that I was talking about before, I would go and find someone who works at Checkbox, yeah. um, whether that's literally um, someone who's full-time or even better, find a, find someone who's at your stage who, like I said, like Melanie So is a good example. Yeah. It'd be someone you would ask. You'd say, you know, I heard you work at Checkbox. Can you talk me through, you know, what you do right. and all that kind of stuff? That, that's the best way always. Yeah. So literally emphasizing the kind of importance of networking into that yeah because i feel like and then i'm kind of at follow this as well that we love to kind of as cs students and this is a huge generalization but we kind of love the technology right and we mm. just immerse ourselves deeply into all these projects and stuff but on this flip side we need to take one from kind of the business side that we should be networking and kind of developing this huge network so we can kind of ask people what's the what when we want to actually go down there. Totally. Yeah, I agree. And it's yeah. networking is something that um, is scary, obviously. And yeah. I was a business and law student, right? which is the epitome. <laughs> yeah. The epitome of networking. So like law, and you have to choose a, another double, like another degree, right? You can't yeah, just do law that's by right. itself. And you chose like commerce, which is yeah. 100% networking. networking. And, 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 that's right. And I hated, I hated networking. Yeah. And in university, I didn't believe in it. I was like, screw that. Like, <laughs> like what? I go no, suck, up to, like, I suck yeah. up to the HR manager and they're going to forget my name. It's yeah. like, this is such a silly concept. And, but now coming out of university, I realized that it is so important. Mm. Like networking is so important because the fastest way you can get an answer is by asking someone else. It is, yeah. it is not about, it is not about Googling it or, you know, the fastest answer is go and find the person right. who has already done it. Yeah. And whether that's solving a problem, finding a new technology, evaluating a new technology, yeah. or literally, should I work for this company? Right. Yeah. Cool. So, like, I think that, like, a good example of that would be, I reached out to you to kind of do this interview, but before that, it was kind of um, an article that I wanted to do, right? So, actually getting face-to-face, -face, um, one, kind of is better use of your time, as well as better content, to be honest, rather than kind of listening to words on the screen. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, reading words on the screen. <laughs> yeah. So just as a meta question to kind of wrap things kind of up, the technology scene in Sydney, mm. if you look at it like London, um, San Fran, um, New York even, like all those other places, mm -hmm. 
they're like comparatively we're not as advanced or we don't have as much of an environment um to that so what made you kind of first off want to start technology did you just do it on the whim because like hey i saw a problem i'll do that um and, and secondly why do you think sydney in, in general or australia isn't kind of catching up to mm. all those other centrals yeah yeah so so first of all i would say that don't underestimate um <clears throat> the technology scene in sydney yeah right it's actually really good okay, um, yeah. and i've met a lot of founders so i recently went on a trip to san, san francisco right. with 20 other great businesses tech businesses from, from australia and um and it was it blew my mind like i never even knew about them so it's but just like they just fly on the radar okay. yeah it's just discoverability yeah <clears throat> it's um and and so it's um there's first of all there's a great tech scene is yeah. what i'm trying to say um <laughs> and there's great companies to work right. for here uh in terms of comparing with the other ones, I, I guess it's depending on the market as well. So, right. you know, the US, um, you, you hear a lot of big startup success stories out of the US because they're very B2C. Yeah. They're very business to consumer, right. which means that, you know, we're exposed to it a lot um, sure. because they're home brands, yeah. as an example. Um, whereas you got to understand that Sydney is more kind of like Hong Kong in the sense that we are a finance hub. Right. Right, B2B. so yeah, we are a finance hub. We're, we're we're all about banks and insurance and whatnot, and, and so that's why there's a big IB yeah, yeah culture here, as well. And so a lot of the the tech startups fall into that that little bucket there, which is largely B two B business to business or business to enterprise, which is why you don't really hear much about them, even though they could be pretty yeah. big. And same with Checkbox, right? You'll never hear Checkbox as a household name. Yeah. Um. But but you know we're going to be a billion dollar company. Um, <laughs> Mark my word. Yeah, that's right. Um. <laughs> And so I think I think there's a bit of skew in terms of perception there, right? Um, you know, and then in terms of like fundamentally, are we behind the other markets? I would say yes, um, we still are, mm-hmm. despite kind of playing both sides devil advocate is, and the reason for that is I think funding is a big yeah. reason. Um, the culture as well. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the funding culture because, at the end of the day, ideas need a lot of capital to thrive, and um, especially with startups, the ideas are very. Um, uh, novel yeah so it's a lot of experimentation and the thing with experimentation is if i gave you a dollar to do an experiment yeah. you won't get very far if i gave you 10 million dollars to do an experiment you'll get a f- yeah. like well, you'll get you really- might fuck up but <laughs> yeah, that's right you might, you might lose all 10 yeah, million, but you- at least you can you can do something right. with it you can't do anything with one dollar exactly like and the problem with in fact if i stick with that analogy like the funding environment in australia is kind of like here's a dollar and then you run out, you use that dollar, and you're like, oh, I need more money. And they're like, yeah. and you're like, I need $10 now. Right. And they're like, okay, show me, show me the results from that, oh, that dollar. dollar. Exactly. It's like, dude, you gave, you me, gave a me a dollar. dollar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I so, can't even buy a lolly with that. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of the problem, I think, with right. the funding scene in Australia, which is limiting innovation mm. and, and those big kind of unicorn um, stories because yeah. you, you you need to almost you need investors to take risk on the team, on the market size, on the vision. Right. Uh, and give enough capital to even to even make it happen. Yeah. Um, so that's that's challenging, and that's why a lot of good talent from Australia also goes offshore. Exactly. Sadly. Yeah. yeah. So, I guess to to kind of summarize that, the first one is there is there are good startups here. Totally. It's just that kind of discoverability and marketing isn't necessarily to us consumers. They're to like big banks. Correct. Um, and, and other corporations. And then secondly, on top of that, it would be the culture as well for investment and venture capital isn't really here. And you can kind of hear those stories, like if you know Y Combinator, that's all kind of in San Francisco. And um, like New York also has kind of links to San Francisco, like you're basically on the same country, so you can just fly over. Yeah. But whereas Australia, it's like, 
where the hell are we with all those networks? People know of San Francisco, so they go to San Francisco. It's kind of like yeah. um, uh, light and a fly, and the fly is just kind of always hitting it. So okay. yeah, 100% agree. Cool. Um, noticing that it's wrapping up, and I know that you have to leave it like around 11 a.m., do you want to say anything else before we kind of uh, close? Say anything about Chefbox or internship? Like, basically, what... Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, look, I think... I think I, like, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge believer of um, picking... Like, doing the right things at certain stages of life right. to, to put you on the right trajectory. And so I want to challenge everyone who's listening right now and have a think about why do you want a particular role at a company? 100%. You know, like, you, you know, I'm not too old myself. I'm, <laughs> I only graduated uni three years yeah. ago. And um, as a young person, we are in a very unique position or stage of our lives where we can take risks on our career. Yeah. Like people might be thinking, you know, oh, yeah. Like this Security. is what pa- my parents tell me this, right? Yeah. When, I, when I started checking, I was like, oh, I'll get a few years in, in, in corporate and then get, this, <laughs> get the experience. So and, and I'm thinking like, dude, like, this is the only time in my life actually where it's absolutely it almost matter. risk-free. Yeah. Like if it screws up, I still have the rest of my life to build my career, to take the safe path, to, mm-hmm. to build you know, my wealth. And, um, but this is a rare chance for you to actually put your life in the right trajectory. Right. And so forget about prestige, forget about building your resume, forget about um, like the money. Like think about what, like it might be those things, by the way, it might be those if that's what you want, but think about what is it that you actually want Mm-hmm. As a young person, you know, in university and will be leaving it soon to pursue a, a full-time career, and what company and what environment will give you the best opportunity to to, to work towards what you want? Yeah. Because I don't stage is a like stage <coughs> as in timing. Stage yeah. is is a big factor. So look for the right stages that match up to what you what will optimize you in terms of learning. I think that's right. a, like a super critical theme. <laughs> I almost feel like it's objectively like I should yeah. just force that on people. Right. Like you need to Put think about learning. Yeah. Think about learning. Yeah. Um, that, that's that's your priority at this stage. I think a good analogy that you kind of put, oh, not an analogy, but just a, a framework of thinking, where do you put your dollar where it will kind of be most well spent? Yeah. And if you think of your time as kind of that dollar, totally. where do you kind of invest that time? As well as we're so young, we have kind of this flexibility to do things. Where do we invest that time? Totally. So, yeah, so totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you make, it's opportunity cost. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're talking <laughs> yeah. That's opportunity cost. Uh, economics. Op- yeah, economics, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's opportunity cost. Yeah. By doing one thing or being somewhere, right. you're, you're giving up the opportunity to be somewhere else. So mm-hmm. find that opportunity that, that is the optimal thing because time is the, like time is the, literally the only thing that you cannot buy. Yeah. Like, you should use money to buy more time. Right. Um, but time is literally the yeah. only thing. Um, so yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Evan. Hope you have a good one. Thank you. That was fun.